Welcome to the Divine Rebel Podcast. I'm Pavitra Banavar, also known as the Clueless Psychic. I'm a spiritual guide, creative visionary, and holistic healer. If you're on your spiritual journey towards your personal freedom, then it's time to drop the shoulds and throw out the rule book so you can connect back to your own authentic truth. Join me for weekly conversations about practical spirituality and interviews with other spiritual practitioners and visionaries on how they're living their authentic truth. Get ready to unleash your inner divine rebel. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Divine Rebel podcast. Today, I am back with another Divinely Seen episode with my friend Kay Namba, who uh, is an Akashic Record reader and also a spiritual guide teacher. Um, And I believe we met a couple of months ago uh, during a community call that was hosted by Giselle Allen, who was on this uh, podcast a couple months ago. Um, And from there, we uh, followed each other and I actually had an Akashic Record reading with Kay a couple months ago actually a month ago or something it was like it was it was like right before I moved so um it was amazing I highly recommend um but I am so excited to have this conversation with Kay today um so Kay welcome to the podcast thank you so much I am so excited to be here I'm very honored um, and also thank you for trusting me to share my story, my truth, um, my energy with your um, collective, with your community. It's really an honor. So thank you so much for inviting me in. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm like so excited for this conversation. So <laughs> do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and just let everyone else, everyone know what you do? Sure. I am Kay. And I am an intuitive mentor. And like you said, an Akashic Records reader. I am uh, claircognizant, clairsentient empath by nature. Um, And basically, like I always say, kind of my mission is to bring the collective back to our spiritual nature. Um, And, you know, and kind of demystify what it means to be spiritual. Because I think in the world that we're living in now, especially with the, you know, spiritual wellness community kind of growing at a rapid pace, it feels Mm -hmm. like sometimes, um, you know, discernment comes in and this feeling of like, you know, we live within systems um, that are colonized and that are capitalistic and being able to untangle spirituality from that, I think is really important at this time, especially as we remember our spirituality. So that's what I'm here for in a spiritual sense. (laughs) (laughs) That is my mission, if you want to call it that. So yeah. I love that. Yeah, we before we hit record, we were we had a whole conversation beforehand. So um, but we were talking about this idea of kind of not even just helping people to come back to their own spirituality, but I think even for ourselves of just, you know, how can we simplify spirituality, I think is at least that's how I see it is, you know, I think that when we're like, online or you know just seeing other people's journey it's like we can really tend to like overcomplicate it for ourselves and think that mm-hmm. there's like so much that we need to do in order to you know be spiritual or do it right and i think that you know i think that's what i love about your work as well is that you know you really seem to just simplify it and just say you know it is really about like your own inner work and how you see the world and i love that so 
Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, for me, um, it's interesting because what I've come to realize and what my truth is, is that, you know, the spiritual journey that people are on or folks find themselves on, whether that's unconsciously, a lot of the time it's unconsciously and we hear things about like, oh, my awakening was at this moment or whatever it was, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but the spiritual journey is really a call back to self. It's a journey back to self. And so what does that mean for you as an individual? Because it's always going to be different, right? We have our lived experiences. Um, as an Akashic Records reader, like we have lifetimes of experience, right? And so it's not just this one, like, I think when we think about spirituality, we kind of, we can't untang, we can't not talk about religion and religious organizations and the colonization of, you know, lands, <laughs> indigenous lands mm -hmm. that also brought, you know, organized religion into the fold. Because when we think about religion, we think about like our identity, right? Like, so you might identify yourself as say a Christian, um, anything else has to have a definition, right? Mm. Um, and spiritual or being spirit, being spiritual or calling yourself spiritual for some reason it has become an identity, <laughs> but right. it's not, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you look at like our ancestors or indigenous people, um, you know, we do kind of romanticize a little bit what that looks like. Um, but they did have a relationship with the earth and, you know, with, I guess, goddesses and gods, you know, mythology and stuff like that, that was very cyclical based, right? You mm -hmm. went with the cycles of say the seasons or even women's cycles, you know, like you were really in tune, um, in a spiritual nature, but it was never called that the naming right. of that was only called that when we were colonized and then we had to, you know, be defined as something, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, yeah, cause it, you know, you control what people believe then you can control the people and that's kind of what colonization did. That's kind of, you know, <laughs> right. you know, we don't have to dance around that, but you know what I'm <laughs> talking about. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's, yeah. that's so interesting because especially like I'm um, like born as a Hindu and so mm -hmm. like, you know, I've always kind of seen that as maybe more spiritual than religious, even though there are those, obviously it, mm. it is a religion and, you know, there are definitely aspects of it that are more like, I want to say like man-made, you know, those kinds of things that are mm -hmm. like, okay, there are rules in place, but you know that that's not really, you know, an aspect of the religion. So I feel like, you know, it's interesting because you talked about like, that moment where some people feel like, oh, I had a spiritual awakening or I, you know, moved from like this religion. And I think that that I, I see that a lot more in like Western religions, like where, uh -huh. you know, it's like I think that people really do have that distinction between I moved from like being religious to being spiritual, whereas like with Eastern religions, I find that because like it maybe is steeped in a little more of those spiritual practices of like being more inward and like, you know, you're already kind of coming from a place of like, okay, I'm finding myself, all those things that like, because I always say, I'm like, I don't even remember like if and when I had this like spiritual awakening. I just know that, you know, I mean, certain aspects of it that I guess would be considered more spiritual in terms of, you know, what we see now with like, oh, when, when I started working with like crystals or tarot or something like that. 
I can maybe pinpoint, but the idea of like, when did I become more spiritual? I feel like that's always kind of been an aspect for me, probably growing up in a religion that was like more, I guess, free is kind of, I mean, Mm -hmm. even though I know that that's like not, you know, that's kind of like oversimplifying it. But, um, but like I said, I, I think compared to Western religion, there is more of this aspect of it kind of being this like free flowing thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's not as dogmatic, I guess, right? Yeah. Like you're not indoctrinated in the same way as, you know, just disclaimer for anyone that is here for the first time hearing me talk. Um, you know, I grew up as a Catholic. And so like, you know, when I'm talking about indoctrination, it's really like I was baptized. I mean, there's seven sacraments that you go through and, mm-hmm. you know, I was all the, you know, I went to um, Catholic school, like from kindergarten through high school. And mm. so I went through all the sacraments and, you know, I was blessed and I, you know, did all the things. So to me, that's indoctrination, right? Like I grew up just learning that, right. Mm-hmm. And learning what was, whatever was outside of that was sinful, would, mm. um, you know, I would end up in hell if I believed otherwise, you know, when I started questioning the religion that I grew up in, um, I was told by many people, you know, and Christians, you know, I kind of Christianity and Catholicism, I mean, it's kind of all in the same umbrella, but I know there's people out there that really define it differently. Mm -hmm. Um, but to me, I feel the energy of it feels the same. Right. And I was told, I don't know by how many people, a lot of people like you're going to hell, Mm -hmm. you're like straight. Right. (laughs) I don't know about that, but that doesn't feel very good, you know? And so, um, you know, part of my story is that I then became atheist because I was like, you know what? I don't like the energy of this. Like, mm. how are you going to tell people? And 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 actually, I did grow up thinking I might go to hell if I don't go home after school and I don't pray the rosary every day and I don't do this and that. Like, there were things that I actually was scared of as a child. Um, and it's not to say that religion and the Catholic church and Christianity isn't good. Mm -hmm. It's just that in my experience, the way that I experienced it and the way that in my body, it just didn't feel like, I know people that believe in religion, like it's a very hopeful space to be in, right? Like to have hope and to have faith and to have trust in life. Um, But for me, like I have hope and faith and trust now as a spiritual person, but I had to come to that place in my journey where I was like, you know, I don't need the religious dogma to tell me that because it's inherently mine already. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's just kind of interesting how that kind of all intertwines, but um, just one of those things. <laughs> yeah, no, I think for me, it's like um, when I was listening to you speak, like, I think it's this idea that you somehow need organized religion in order to be closer to God Mm-hmm. And for me, like, I always look at spirituality as, like, removing the middleman. Like, you don't need that, like, external source of, like, the church or the temple or whatever it is to tell you that, okay, this is your relationship with God. Like, even like you said, even the idea of, okay, are you going to heaven or hell? I mean, in Hindu religion, obviously, we we, know, we believe in reincarnation and this idea of, like, you know, you're kind of moving towards... Uh, like nirvana I guess like for lack Mm -hmm. of a better word but it's like 
you know, but even that it's like, I still believe in those things. But now there's no longer this thing of like, oh, but I have to practice it in this way. Or, you know, because yeah, like when you talked about, um, you know, like indigenous practices and being like tied to cycles of the moon or, you know, like even like women and like our periods, our menstrual cycles, things like that. It's like, you know, in Hindu religion, they say like when a woman is like, um, uh, like, you know, on her menstrual cycle, it's like she shouldn't be anywhere near God because it's like you're, you Mm -hmm. know, you're dirty, unclean, like all those things. When really it's like, to me, that just like, that just smacks of like, that's just man you know, that's, like, men trying to, like, you know, control that, and so I think, like, as I've gotten older, and really, like, I mean, I've always been somebody who, like, questions everything, even as a kid, like, I questioned everything, and, you know, my parents, it's, like, they never pushed the religion on us, like, um, you know, they weren't, like, you have to go and learn all the things and all that, so, you know, but at the same time, it's, like, I questioned a lot of it, and now I just, I've really gotten to a place where it's, like, you know, I don't think of it as like an and or of like, oh, well, if you move away from religion, then you're no longer connected to God. I'm actually like, no, I feel way more connected to God, you know, where I am now than had it been through the temple alone. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I think what you're speaking to is the patriarchy for one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're just going to put that out there because, you know, (laughs) women are sacred. Mm -hmm. Sons are sacred. I mean, you know, even even that binary distinction, right, is is very much a colonial patriarchal thing. Right. And 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 it's all intertwined. you know, and it's interesting, I love that you were talking about like the middleman, right? The the temple, the church as being the person or the institution, I guess. Institution yeah. that tells us how to mm-hmm. be closer to God, how to live our lives so that we are then closer to God or closer to the heavens, whatever you want to call it, right? Whatever um, resonates with you. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, segue into the spiritual wellness communities now, we still see that at play. And it's really unfortunate and, and it, you know, I had to really struggle with that on my journey. And as a spiritual practitioner too, was this idea that like, okay, now that I am uh, a mentor in the intuitive spiritual spaces, like, you know, what we're taught as entrepreneurs as well is like, we're supposed to position ourselves as the expert. We're supposed to position ourselves as the guru, as this third person or the mm. middle man the middle institution yeah. basically to to tell people or show people or even guide people like all these words that are used to like finesse the same energy of like no I'm gonna tell you mm-hmm. how you're supposed to do it I'm gonna gatekeep your connection to God right yeah. <laughs> like, and that for me has been kind of a struggle as a spiritual practitioner because I don't I don't ever want to say that I I know better right? Like I, yes, I connect to, you know, the Akashic records and I do readings and yes, I connect to spirit. So I could, you know, give you whatever messages have to come through at the time, but I never want to be like, oh, but this is what you have to do. Like, this is how you have to live your life because spirit's saying, it's like, Mm -hmm. no, this is the message I'm getting. If it resonates with you, cool. If it doesn't, that's okay too, right? Like we have to, you know, we talk about free will, even in religious organizations, they talk about, oh, you have free will, but how are you presenting free will? Are you presenting it as like, if you do this, 
you're going, you're doing life the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But if you do it this way, then everything's going to be good. No, free will is literally just your own choice based on what feels good for you, based on what sounds good for you. And I think um, it's just interesting when we think about that middleman, I mean, the the gatekeeper, right? Yeah, that was the word that, yeah, that was the word that came to me when you were talking. Mm-hmm. I was like being the gatekeeper because that's really what it is, right? It's like, yeah, like when you're kind of taught to like position yourself as somehow like being above others or I know something, you know, even that idea like, you know, if you work with like business coaches, like not all, but, uh, you know, a lot of them, it's like this Mm -hmm. idea of like, oh, you have to, you know, sell something that that person, you know, doesn't have. But it's like, I think when you come from like the spiritual practitioner side, it's like, well, you have everything that you need. Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing that I have, even the idea of like, okay, I could teach you like how to use your intuition, maybe, you know, but even that it's like, but that's still coming from you. That's like, I can, sh- I can tell you how to do it, but really it's like, I have no idea what it's like in your body. You know, it's um, mm-hmm. the same thing. Like when, you know, I've kind of been like learning about human design or I've been in certain spaces, you know, um, the thing I love, like I worked with uh, one like human design, I guess I'll call her a teacher for lack of a better word, but it was like, um, I was in one of her programs. I can't remember who it was off the top of my head, but even Mm -hmm. in that, it was like, you know, people were like asking, you know, what is this supposed to feel like? Or, you know, how am I supposed to use this? And she would just immediately turn it around and say, well, how does it feel for you? You know, how, like, I I don't know what that feels like because I don't have, you know, certain centers defined, like all those things where I think that that's so important is to not position yourself as, oh, yeah, well, okay, I've read all the textbooks. I know, like, all the answers to everything because we just aren't operating in those sort of, like, finite systems. Like, you know, it's like we're operating in this very sort of, like, flowing thing where you, like you said, I mean, it's about discernment. It's about, okay, how does that resonate with you and your free will? So I can't tell you that, okay, if you do X, Y, Z thing, you will somehow reach this you know, this finite, like, sort of place that you're headed to. It's like, sure, I mean, it might all work out for you. But yeah, along the way, there could be, you know, like, tests and things like that, that spirit is like trying to, you know, like, for your own evolution. And so I feel like, yeah, we really can't say things like I'm always hesitant to say things in a way that's like, (laughs) this is the answer, because I'm like, you know, I don't want someone coming back to me like a week from now being like, that wasn't the answer. Like, you know, know. like that's always my thing is like, let's not operate in these like very, you know, black and white sort of areas. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm all about the grace. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting because like you think about, you know, having to position yourself or having to like all these things that we're supposed, supposed to do. And there's a growing number of us that are like, no, Mm. (laughs) No. because one that just takes the pressure off of us, right? Like I can't have all the answers. I don't have them and I'm not going to make them up. And, um, and I'm not saying that there are X quote unquote experts that make it up, but at some point you have to like, understand, like maybe you kind of are making this up and hoping it works. right? Right. And I, I'm, I am done trying to play that game because I don't know. 
right? right? I don't know. I don't even know what I'm doing like a month from now, two months from now in my own life. So, yeah. you know, I, I can plan things and I can like feel into the energy and ask spirit like, okay, what's coming up? But like life happens, right? And and life in this human experience, like we are also living within systems that like we have I feel like as a spiritual person, I should say we have control over, but like, do we really have control over? I mean, as a collective, possibly, right? If we move and organize and do all the things that we need to do, right? And in a spiritual sense, yes, we do have the power, but like it's being able to like dance between the two and really merge and embody that power, which is part of why we're here, I believe. (laughs) Like we can't one day wake up and be like, oh, F the system, like, I'm just not going to play in it anymore. We can, but, you know, we still need to survive. We would rather thrive. You know what I mean? So we're still navigating these systems and we're not in the utopian world that everybody wants. Um, And I know that there's a lot of spiritual spaces that say, yes, we can have utopia because we could build it. And I'm like, yeah, but building still takes work, right? Like building doesn't mean we're going to wake up one day and just have everything the -hmm. way we want it. Like we're just, that's just not, it's just not going to happen. Right. But can we then be tap into our spirituality and, you know, do what we need to do and also look at the joy and the happiness and all the good things that are here in life. Right. So, I mean, the spiritual journey is a dance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a dance between like this human existence and our spirituality. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's nuanced. We live in the gray or the colorful. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. That's yeah. yeah, That's nicer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So this is a question that I ask all of my guests, but um, when do you feel like your most rebellious self? I love this question. When I say no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, I think for me, it's really boundaries. And as a woman of color, I've had to learn how to say, you know, how to speak my boundaries, how to feel into my boundaries. Because even when you say it, you know, your actions still kind of, they have to match. Um, and so, yeah, it's feeling into my boundaries because I didn't, I shouldn't say I didn't have any, I feel like I didn't have any before. Mm. I feel like, you know, my mind is telling me, yeah, of course you did. But as I was on the spiritual journey, as I was doing shadow work, as I mean, and this is continual as I do my inner child work and as I decolonize and all these things and, you know, all these moving parts of like my healing journey, I realized like I actually didn't have very good boundaries. And so that to me is, is big to be like, Hey, I need to rest. Mm. (laughs) I mean, that's a boundary, right? Like I'm just going to rest and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Yes. (laughs) Sometimes I still do, but you know, it's like, it's, it's boundaries. It's setting boundaries. Mm. That's where I feel the most rebellious. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I feel like that's a big one for so many of us. And I think especially mm-hmm. as, as BIPOC mm-hmm. women, people, I think it's just like, it's so hard. Like I have to remind myself all the time that it's like, no is a full sentence. Like, yes. you know, because it's always this idea of, oh, but I have to like have an excuse or I have to like give you a reason for why I don't want to do the thing. And really, I mean, I think, you know, I will say too, I mean, obviously over the past two years, like a lot of us have 
really like change the way that we look at our lives and the things that Mm -hmm. you know our priorities and things like that so I think in some ways like that has also kind of helped because I feel like the conversation about boundaries has really like I see it a lot more like over the past two years where I think that you know people are really waking up to this idea of like yeah we don't just have to like go along and you know because for me it's like always people pleasing is the big thing is like okay I don't have to just give in and like people please just to you know make sure that other people are happy but that I'm not happy so yeah I think the the boundaries conversation is is so important like mm-hmm. and yeah and I agree I think as you're doing your healing work like a lot of that comes up because then you're like you start to see what are these patterns that I've been in and you know because rest for me is a big one too where it's like mm-hmm. I can rest without I mean, I'd love to say that the guilt doesn't creep in, but yes, nine <laughs> times out of 10, the guilt creeps in and it's oh, like, yeah. you know, so that's a big one. <laughs> yes. Listeners, if you hear people say they don't care and they feel no shame and guilt about resting, don't totally believe them. Or ask <laughs> them how. Or ask them how. Yeah. <laughs> it's a work in progress, right? Yes. Like, like I said, sometimes I'm just like, eh, I'm a rest. I don't care. Other mm-hmm. times I'm like, oh, I really shouldn't, but I really, really feel like I should. So, you know, and that's okay. All of it's okay. Yeah. Right. All of it is okay. Wherever you are in your journey, like all of it's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I love that question. Yeah. Um, Okay, so tell us a little bit more about your journey and kind of how it led you here. All right. So my journey, wow, my journey is, um, it's interesting. (laughs) So I was raised a Catholic. um, And, you know, and then later on, I became atheist. (laughs) And then after that, like, of course, there's lots to fill in here, right? Um, But after that, I then found myself kind of exploring and figuring out like, you know, do I really not believe in anything? And then I've had, you know, experiences where spirit and angels came to me, and I really viscerally felt them in my body. Um, And, you know, I just it's been years and years of multiple awakenings. When people talk about awakening, I'm like, do you just have one or did you have like a few? And are you still going through a lot, Mm. you know, because awakenings really are just remembrances. Right. And so we're not going to have one remembrance of like everything. And so, um, yeah, I, I just, I questioned a lot. Um, and spirit, my spiritual journey really has kind of been, not very straight um and it's come with a lot of grief and it's come with a lot of having to let go of things it's come with a lot of like um letting go of people as well you know when i started really tapping into and channeling messages and then reading the akashic records and then becoming a mentor for all these things i think a lot of people that thought they knew me or at the time knew me were like oh my gosh i didn't know you do this and like I didn't like what is this um and so you know and there was questioning on my part or people telling me I wasn't good enough for this and you know friends that I knew and I was like um okay but I'm still gonna keep going because (laughs) you still don't know what I'm experiencing right and so um with that letting go and that part of the journey and that grief like also comes a lot of 
um, happiness and joy in what I do and really feeling in alignment because prior to being an intuitive mentor, like I was a life coach and um, that never really felt 100% me, but at the time, a lot of people were doing it. And so people just understood it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But in my work, I was already pulling in from my natural intuitive psychic abilities at the time I didn't know what it was I just thought like I'm just good at this like I just know what she's gonna say I just can feel into like what the energy she's putting but I had no terminology for that I didn't know exactly how to like express that and you know as a life coach I was pulling cards for clients just just for fun like Mm. why would I do I don't know because it felt good and I was you know before I got on a call with a client like I was um, calling in my guides and asking spirit to guide me. And like, that was nothing I learned. You don't learn that in, in how to be a life coach, right? Right. (laughs) Like maybe, maybe you do now. I don't know. Um, but I was pulling all these naturally spiritual rituals into Mm -hmm. my work as a life coach that it was already hard to explain why I was doing it. Right. And then when I transitioned or when I really reclaimed that, like, no, I'm I'm an intuitive that kind of just flipped everything on its head because I'm like, what does that actually mean? <laughs> like, mm. What does that mean now? Like I tell people I'm channeling because I didn't I didn't feel like I was. I didn't I didn't think that was what it was called, but that was inherently what it was. Right. Um, so, yeah. So that's kind of a roundabout like cliff's notes version do people read cliff notes i'm totally like aging myself or <laughs> i know <laughs> who reads cliff notes yeah like you guys remember cliff notes like... <laughs> yes. yeah that's my cliff notes version yeah of <laughs> I, I am curious though like so when you were doing the life coach work like was your own spiritual practice like kind of blossoming in the background like you were like working with your guides and doing all these practices for yourself and they were kind of bleeding into your work or was it like they were just happening together? Mm, I, yeah, you know, that's a good question. I've never been asked that question, (laughs) but it was one of those things that like, I didn't know maybe. Okay. So my whole thing is like, we, we all have these senses, right? We all Mm -hmm. have these intuitive psychic abilities that, you know, as we get older, we're kind of told to, push to the side, right? There is, you know, um, and for me, it was like, even when I met people, right? Like met friends along the way or whatever, like if I was at a party or something, like I always felt, I was always able to feel the energy. I was always able to see like, okay, this person's really open to having whatever conversation, or this person is like going through a hard time. This person is like not you know, like I always kind of sense that. And I always thought it was just me. Like, I just thought it was a normal thing. And Mm. for me, it was normal. Right. right? And so when I was life coaching, like that just naturally came into it because the space that I was holding was, you know, when you open space in a container like that, you know, you are in essence, like having to um, hold somebody in like their Mm. sacredness again, these aren't the words that I was using, but that's what I realized what I was doing is like, as a life coach, you have to hold space in with integrity, you know, hold that person in a space of safety and vulnerability. And so when you're already creating that space, Mm -hmm. you're already calling in to me, you're already calling in 
that love and that guidance, whether you call it that or not. Right. Right. Um, And so I think for me, it was just intrinsically like tied into my work and, you know, in the background as well, you know, when you take these courses, when you take like self-help type courses, the ones that I was attracted to always had a spiritual edge, always Mm -hmm. had like this this thing that I couldn't explain, but just felt really good compared to one that was like super pragmatic. And I was like, "Mm, that doesn't feel right, right? So Mm -hmm. I would already be in these spaces and I would hold the space, right? And so I think it was just, it was a natural progression for me. Um, Yeah, yeah, I think it was just a natural thing. And like I said, I didn't have like the words to to explain it at the time and then when the akashic records called to me like i didn't really answer the call till like two years later because i was like i don't know i'm a life coach i don't channel messages like i don't even know what the akashic records are you know and spirit was like (laughs) okay we'll try again in two years (laughs) you know what i mean and so um so even that was already calling to me to then develop and really reclaim my gifts right and then once i did that like it's just been it's felt really aligned for me and me looking back, I'm like, I would just kind of always did that without even being asked, right? Like we all have these gifts and I feel like we're all called to hold certain spaces or if you're a space holder, right? Like you're called to it for a reason, whether you've done it in another lifetime or just feels like naturally you, um, yeah, you're just called to it or it just, it just comes out because it's who you are, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it is like, yeah, because I think a lot of times we kind of discount like what maybe we've done in past lives. Like I talk about this a lot, like even with like imposter syndrome, where sometimes I'm like, maybe this isn't even like this lifetime. It's like, you know, we need to look at like, okay, maybe I was doing this in past lifetimes. And that's why I feel so drawn to it. I may in this life, like my ego might still be like, oh, I'm not ready. Or like, you know, it's not the right time. But something in your soul is obviously calling you to it and it's like yeah it's not it might not be like oh it's because I'm not good enough it could just be that you know it's like remembering a past life and that you were already doing this work so I think that that's actually really important for people to realize is like yes there there's going to be imposter syndrome but I mean when things come naturally because I'm like that too where it's like when things come naturally I could be like this was too easy like Akashic yes. Records for me was also like I just could do it and it was like you know and sometimes I'm like this is too easy like shouldn't it be harder yeah yeah yeah. you know the interesting thing that I've I've kind of come to recently um now that you're speaking of past lives is like you know if you think about our soul as kind of like the soul Mm. I don't know I don't don't want to explain (laughs) that but listeners y'all get it right um (laughs) you know in every lifetime like if if you think about like our souls are just inhabiting different bodies in different lifetimes, the soul is the same. The mission Mm -hmm. is always the same. The purpose is always the same. We have the wisdom and the knowledge that is very much in our souls. It's just that now we're in a different lifetime to then be able to express it. And maybe not, maybe in this lifetime, maybe it's not going to be expressed or our mission's not going to be complete, so to Mm -hmm. speak. Right. And of course I'm, I'm using terms that like, 
our in our human mind we can kind of understand but in a spiritual sense like i'm i'm sure it's much bigger than this so (laughs) don't don't go out there and be like you know i heard this one person say (laughs) right um this is all just kind of like what i'm trying to figure out and so to me it's like my soul has been here my soul knows how to do this it's just maybe in this lifetime now i have the resources and the space Mm -hmm. and the experiences to then be able to like take it to the take it to the next step or you know what i mean like if if I don't know. I guess, yeah, (laughs) I was going to say maybe in another lifetime or like in a past lifetime, I couldn't do the work that I had to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of the times and because of whatever was going on, you know, an interesting thing that I'm realizing now, you know, there's this surge of like witches. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's a kind of a cool thing now. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, And people are claiming that, which is which is great. And, you know, we don't have to talk about discernment, but yes, be discerning about what that means for you if you're calling yourself a witch. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there are these things where like in a past life, maybe someone was actually a witch, but they couldn't do the work that they were here to do because of what was happening. You know, you talk about the witch hunt, you talk about colonization and when all these the shamans were, you know, told not to have their medicine but now maybe in this lifetime it's like oh now you're reclaiming that now you're remembering all that and I think that's the energy of the collective now is we're at the space where like we are remembering because the spaces that we live in yes we have capitalism yes we have colonization yes we have all these things against us and we are now remembering right Hmm. our medicine and and then taking that forward so that's kind of like my whole thing about like what's going on with the collective and (laughs) the past lives and and our soul's mission our soul's purpose right because we're always looking for purpose and it's not about work (laughs) yeah it's not about work it's not about your job (laughs) no it's not about your nine to five no yeah (laughs) but I think but I think what you said about like even using discernment with that like is so like crucial especially when we talk about colonization and white supremacy and all these things where it's like you know you do have a lot of like you know white people in this space who will like claim all of these things like being shamans and all -hmm. of these things without that sort of discernment of like whether this is something that is like right for them I'm not gonna say it like oh like you you shouldn't be doing it at all but I think yes like you know because I talk a lot about cultural appropriation and things like that as I'm sure you do as well like Mm -hmm. you know and I think that it's like yes like we should be claiming it like I always have this like hesitancy of like okay if I if I am drawn to something that is like of a different culture I'm always like okay well if I'm not coming at it from the right relationship then I shouldn't you know I shouldn't like even touch it until I'm ready because it's like I don't want to go in and just take from someone else's culture or from their medicine just because it's something that is now accessible Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's really important too. Um, cultural appropriation. Oh, that (laughs) is a whole, (laughs) that's a whole, yeah, Mm -hmm. that's a can of worms, Pandora's box. I mean, all of these issues are right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that you learn that yes, um, it is medicine that is offered to the collective you know, who are the teachers? Where is it coming from? What was the energy of when it was created? Like, you know, I was looking recently at, um, at crystals and I was like, oh, maybe I should buy crystals, like, you know, and give them as gifts and all this stuff. And then I really came, came to this realization of like, but what does that mean for, 
mama earth like you know and and how has it become like this capitalistic venture for a lot of folks and it's not saying that it's completely bad because i know the power that crystals have you know um and at the same time can we trust that crystals will come to us when need be you mm -hmm. know i don't i don't know it's like i said it's a dance of like the in between there's all these nuances and so um i think we really have to pay attention to you know the medicines that are being offered plant medicines another one right um you know things like reiki is another one you know all all of these yoga is another one mm -hmm. like all of these medicines are amazing and great and they should be utilized but it's the energy of where it's coming from and the energy of the person that is not administering the medica the medication <laughs> the medicine but sharing the medicine with the world right like mm -hmm. where are they coming from and i think you're right when you talk about right relationship um i'm really wary about the rituals that I do, mm -hmm. right? And um, for me, my question is like, okay, this is what I'm guided towards and that's that's all I need to know, right? Like that's, that's what spirit, and, and I have that relationship with spirit where I'm like, okay, like you want me to do that? Cool, I'm gonna go that way, right? Um, but then there are other people and I'm not pointing fingers and whatnot. And people could probably say that about me at some point where it's like, oh, this is the new thing. I'm going to do that. Mm -hmm. But what is it for? Right. <laughs> like, right. I think that's the discernment um, and who am I going to learn from? Right. Yeah. That's a huge one. Yeah. Because I think it like it really does go back to like capitalism. And I mm -hmm. think that idea that we kind of just like fall into things and this is go this goes for anybody. Right. Like we just mm -hmm. kind of like go into things and then have that that motive or whatever of like okay this is how I'm gonna make money from this right like I mean I I like I started practicing Reiki that's kind of how I came into the space but the way that I came into it in retrospect was like not at all in right relationship with it it wasn't mm -hmm. in any way respecting the culture or the teachers that came before or anything it was like I literally learned it like online in like an online class that like you know which I'm not saying that like I didn't come at it from a place of respect, but you know, after a while of like of practicing it, I realized, yeah, like I'm not even coming at this from the right way. And I don't even know that Reiki is, is the kind of medicine that I want to practice or that I should even be practicing from a cultural point of view. So I just released it. I was like, okay, if it's meant to come back in some other way, I, I will welcome it back. But yeah, I think that, you know, and, and I will say, like, you know, I think that when you first come into your spiritual journey, whoever it is, like when you have your awakening, if it's, you know, whether it's yoga or, you know, any of these things where it's like you just find yourself being like, that's what you should do in spirituality. It's like now we all have to go practice yoga. And, you know, it's it's really about. But is that what feels right to you or are you just doing it because you think that you should, you know, just like how I think in the wellness space, like we all think that, OK, we have to teach yoga or learn yoga or you know use reiki or any of these things and it's you know it's like no i mean there's a lot of things in spirituality i have yet to explore or i don't know if it's even like plant medicine is not something that i have ever been called to up until this point and i wouldn't want to just go and partake in something just because i think it's like what needs to happen because i'm now spiritual it's like you know i always find that it's like yeah, like your guides or your higher self 
knows what you need in this life at this time, right? So like you said, even about crystals, it's like, do you need those crystals? Like, is that helping you? Or is it just because you think that's just a part of like what it means to be spiritual, right? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. so I think that, yeah, that's such a big part of it is this idea of like anything you're going to like do, I think, yes, like just stop and just think like, is this something that, you know, is truly calling to me or am I just kind of like going with the latest trend? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it goes back to the colonization of our beliefs really. Mm. Right. Like, you know, who said that, um, you know, to do a manifestation ritual, you need a certain kind of something Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you could only use this and this is what you have to say like maybe yes there is a little bit of room I mean like you know if you talk to shamans or you talk to witches like true like Mm -hmm. you know ones that are practicing and they're in right relationship maybe they do have those nuanced answers right and you might also be guided to something else within that right so you have the containers and the constructs but you know, we don't have to live by other people's truths. Mm. And that's the truth. I'm just <laughs> um, no, it's true. Because, you know, like, there are things that resonate with me. And I'm like, mm, I'm gonna do that. But that part, like, didn't, it doesn't, like, it doesn't yeah. do anything for me, right? And so you're right. Um, one of those things that you were talking about was plant medicine. And like, I'm kind of on the same boat, like, it's, hasn't called to me in my healing, right, as of yet. Um, and it's it's interesting to see from a point of view of being spiritual, right? Because I see a lot of people go like, oh, this is like this experience, just open my eyes and da, da, da. And yes, I think it does call for healing for folks. Um, but I also think that there are folks going into it because it's a trend. And I think that's where discernment happens. And, um, you know, I'm not going to tell you one way or another, you should be doing plant medicine or not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> one day it might call to me and I'm right. be like all about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, is it, like I said, it's just, if you're tapped into your spirituality or if you tap into your guides and whatnot, right. And that's why it's so important to be in your body, then you f- could feel these nudges. You could feel like, what what does my body need what does my soul need at this moment right and like it should not just appear but it should feel so natural instead of like oh instead of like an achievement or an attainment or Mm. like you know oh I'm on this healing journey I gotta do x y and z you know what I mean (laughs) I have a to-do list for my for my healing it's like no it doesn't necessarily work that way um I think we have to be careful of that because that energy is very um, a colonial based energy. It's a very like or a capitalistic energy where like achievement and production Mm. is equal to like your worth as a person. That's kind of short cliff notes again of what we learn, right? (laughs) Of what the system teaches us. But like to break out of that, right? To like really look and take a step back and go like, okay, where, where is this coming from? What within me is telling me I need to do this. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. And I think, cause I mean, if you've been around 
the spirituality like online or you know in the community for a while it's like there's a lot of trends that come and go there's a lot of like things that you know like manifestation law of attraction I know it's still around but like that had its like heyday where it was like oh everybody was talking about manifestation and being a manifestation coach it's like you know so you see these like trends that come and go and you know even with that it's like you know, I think that like we all kind of jump on and be like, okay, I'm going to go do all of these things. But even within that, like, cause I'll say like, you know, I kind of like jumped on that bandwagon and, you know, um, I never watched the secret, but <laughs> like I, but I, you know, manifestation has been around for a while, obviously now. And yeah. it's like, but even with that, you know, like I was never somebody who was like, oh, I have to do all of the, the things or, you know what I mean? It's like, and I think that that's where, Maybe it is a thing when you first come into like your spiritual journey and it's like you see all the things and you're like, this is what's what's cool now or this is the trend. And then it's like, I think that after a while, you know, we do kind of settle into those things that like we find our way to or the things that like finally that we're like, okay, this is my little toolbox or this is the things I, you know, I go to. And so I do think that there does come a point where you stop just like looking at everything because you know after a while now like I've realized over the years I'm like yeah yoga is not my thing like I don't mind like you know a nice slow practice now and then if it's something that's calling to me or you know but I I don't push myself now to go to yoga classes and try to like do all the I'm just like no that's not for me that's that doesn't appeal to me so I don't need to do it And there won't be any consequences. Again, like going back to that religion conversation of like, there are no consequences, you know, in spirituality or in life. I mean, I'll say like, you know, I mean, of like, oh, I don't want to do this thing. It doesn't call to me. So I don't want to do it. There's no consequences like where it's (laughs) like, oh, like all of a sudden, okay, because you don't want to do yoga. You're now cut off from spirituality. It's like, I think that we need to stop maybe looking at it as this like all or nothing sort of thing because I think that that's really not what spirituality is no I mean it's it's really learning how to be in the flow Mm -hmm. right and how how to I mean you know like I was saying earlier the journey back to self like what actually feels good for me and you're right like yoga is not for everybody um journaling is not for everybody I remember as a life coach like yeah yeah, I remember (laughs) as a life coach you know I would ask clients like do you have a meditation practice and you know I in the beginning I'd be like we need to do this like try to do this every day and just do Mm. 10 minutes and then after a while I was like do you have a meditation practice no do you want to or have you tried it do you like it no you don't like it okay don't do that Mm. (laughs) I would be the one being like don't do it then like You don't have to do it. But I knew there were coaches, fellow coaches that were like, no, like I have my clients do this because it really helps and did it. And it's like, that was the expert positioning. Right. And I was like, well, I can't, I'm not sitting there with my clients every day. Right. And, and, you know, when we are on this healing journey, like it shouldn't feel hard. Mm -hmm. It should feel challenging, but it shouldn't feel like hard. It shouldn't it shouldn't feel like something that I have have to do dread to do because of what, like you said, there is, there is what's the end goal. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, because the healing is going to, is lifelong for one. And two, like, if it just doesn't feel right, like, okay, now investigate. Why doesn't this feel right? 
sometimes it just it's just not me period mm-hmm. no <laughs> boundaries right, right? Exactly. yeah no just, just no okay yeah. <laughs> let's see what does feel right for you right mm-hmm. like why why as space holders in general and this is something that i've had to come to terms with as a as a spiritual practitioner as well is like um you know i can't make people heal the way that i have i can mm. offer my lived experiences and i can offer you know the space to hold them to explore theirs but i can't like they're not on my journey right, right. and mm. i think that's the one thing about having to position yourself as an expert is like you have all the answers i'm like no i i actually kind of don't <laughs> Yeah. And I'm sorry, but but I hold amazing space for you to figure it out, right? Like, right. And so I think, um, you know, that is one thing that I at least hope that, you know, the more that we see spiritual practitioners and, and there is a call, the collective is awakening back to the remembrance, like I said, mm-hmm. um, as we grow in this community, like I hope that what we learn is, that we don't have the answers and that's okay. And I hope that there's more people that hold the space and say that for themselves and for the people that they're supporting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that'd be the utopian world. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that because, yeah, I think this idea of like we all have to do the same like practices, the same things. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's not feasible. I mean, even for myself, like I... I try to meditate. I've been told for years that it's like, I I need to meditate for, you know, my intuitive channeling, like all of that, that it's like, it's helpful. But I always find that I cannot quiet my mind. And so like, just a couple of weeks ago, I took up um, the practice of like morning pages, which has been around, I think, for decades now. I, I, um, I talked about it a couple of episodes ago. But um yeah, so I started doing morning pages, which is like literally just free writing for like three pages every morning. And that for me feels like my form of meditation, mm. where it's like, okay, this feels like a, I can empty out the mind. And sure, maybe, you know, over time, it's like, maybe along with the morning pages, I will also incorporate like actual sitting and silence and, you know, spending time meditating. But yeah, for now, it just feels like, okay, this is what I've been needing this is like what helps me and I think that it's really like you said about like not forcing for one but also about like not beating yourself up about the fact that like okay I don't need to do what all of these other people are doing because you know like one person's meditation is another person's like going for a run or it could be like I just take a shower and that's where like I you know release and just you know like I think that we just we build it up in our minds to be you know, this idea that like, okay, this is what it looks like across the board. And that's just not feasible, especially, you know, I mean, everyone's life is different where it's like, okay, you know, I can sit here for an hour or two or whatever in the morning and like have a slow morning routine. And someone else is like, I got to get up and get out the door to work or I got to go get my kids ready. You know, it's like, so for us to be like, please sit for like four hours with this morning routine. It's just not... You know, like, I think that that's the thing with, like, you know, this kind of, like, I don't know, people positioning themselves as the expert or being like, this is what I do. And this is why I've gained all this success. And it's like, yeah, but if you take a step back, like, that's not feasible for everyone. It's like, how can we make it so that everyone can have these benefits and yet not feel this constant pressure to, 
you know, do all the things. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. And you're really speaking to like, um, you know, privilege, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you think back to, um, oh, what was I thinking about as you were talking? You know, the meditation practice, right? Let's just take that, for example, and having like an hour to do that. I mean, that, that comes down to like privilege. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying, and I, I know in the last two years, when we talk about privilege, we also talk about white supremacy. And, you know, I just want to put it out there, like white supremacy is a system. It's not white people necessarily, but they do benefit, right. <laughs> obviously, right? <laughs> and so that's where the word privilege is coming from. And, and it doesn't mean that, you know, every white person has the same privileges. And also, you know, I, I'm Filipina, I'm Asian, right? And there are a lot of Asians that could be considered also privileged, right? So it's very nuanced. And so I don't want this to be taken out of context, but we really have to lead, we really have to lead with what are the other person's life experiences? What are they going through and how can we hold space and have a container to support them rather than feeling like it's another to do on their list of healing? Because if not, then they're just going to be messed up forever, right? right? Like that's, (laughs) that's the same energy of like when, you know, organized religion or Western religion comes in and goes, if you don't pray every night, something bad is going to happen to you. You're Mm going to lose the connection with God, you're not going to get what you want, you know, like all those things. Mm. And it's, it's the same energy of like, you know, oh, you believe in that? Well, that's wrong. Right. You know, you're savage. Like it goes back to like our intergenerational wounds of like colonization and and what, you know, the severance of spirituality. Um, And so, yeah, we just have to like, look at all these pieces. Like we can't look at just one piece and think we could heal that within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And everything's going to be fine. No, because there's so it's layered and this is generations of layers. Right. And I always say this, but I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm on this healing journey. Everyone talks about breaking the chain, mm-hmm. right. From other generations and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, but those chains are strong and yeah. they're long. They are like lifetimes long. Yes. <laughs> to do the work now. Right. Because what, what one you're we're not going to heal everything. And what we don't heal, we're going to pass on to the next generation for them to heal, right? Mm. Um, And so it's not, it's not, we can't heal everything. And so the expectation for folks to heal themselves within a small container, say, I'm just going to throw out the coaching container because I was a life coach, the three-month container, your clients are not going to heal their whole life Mm, right? (laughs) three months right? They're not going to do it in a year. It's a lifelong process. And so how can we hold the space for those nuances, I think is where, um, you know, as a spiritual wellness practitioner and someone in the, you know, these spaces is like, I hope that I can hold that kind of space. Like Mm -hmm. I can help you, right? I can assist you and I can support you. And I really want to do that. Um, But I know that I can't, I can't do everything. Right. And, and I can't expect people to do everything <laughs> to heal their life yeah. in like one session. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of like having to untangle my beliefs. Right. And what I grew up in and, and what my wounds are that I'm carrying on. Um, you know, it's a lot of 
push and pull and exploration, curiosity and grieving and happiness mm. and all. The, <laughs> all the yeah, yeah. I was like, let's not make it all seem like it's all going to no. be like sad and hard. I mean, it, it can be like it can be. Yeah. I mean, that's the shadow part, right? right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. I think I speak to that because I don't like the veils of like everything's good. Like we have a lot of everything's good, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? In the spiritual wellness community. And so I'm always like counteracting that, but, right. but what about the shadows? What about this? I mean, you know. No, it's true. Yeah. Yourself as a projector, right? Mm-hmm. We're both yeah. like, but wait a minute. You, we have to look at like everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of conditioning. No, it's but true. Yes, but there's a lot of joy. There's a lot mm-hmm. of aligned um, relationships that can come through um, yeah. on your spiritual journey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say too, it's like, I think, um, like, even like the healing, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, when I look back at like my own journey, I think that it's like, it always, I mean, it's always there, like, it's always kind of happening. Like you said, I mean, it's not a linear journey. And it's not like a one time sort of like, okay, I sit and I heal everything. But when I look back, it does feel like but there are times when you're called to do it more than others, I think, especially the past couple of years with everything collectively happening. Mm-hmm. I do feel like a lot of, especially BIPOC folks, I think have really been called to more of the like ancestral generational work. Like, I mean, the more conversations I have, it's like, I think a lot more of us are waking up to this idea that like, we really are here to break some of those chains and also just even just begin that healing process where maybe like generations before us, you know, I, I know like my parents, you know, and, and their parents, like, yeah, they just have never looked at it or even like wanted to look at it. You know, like I yeah. think our parents' generation is was very much like keep your head down, grind. Yep. And, you know, whereas I think that we have really awoken to more of this, like, oh, this is a pattern that needs to be broken and so you know but I think even with that there's a time for those things because you know I would say that yes like I've examined certain things over the years but like you know it's not a thing that it's like okay you immediately begin your spiritual awakening and then all of a sudden it's like okay we're getting right into the healing and the inner child like that takes time that takes like Mm -hmm. work to build up to because it's like I think that even your guides you know whatever your spirit team with you even your ancestors I think they like it's almost like they have to like prepare you for that that like that level of healing because I will say that even in the past few months the the amount of healing and purging and everything I've been through like I felt like I had to prepare myself for that like it wasn't something that right out the gate I was like yes let's examine all of our trauma and you know it's something that I think that so I mean for anyone who's listening who maybe is like oh I'm not doing that work or I'm you know I think that that's okay because when that time comes it's like you will and and I I, you will have the the tools which takes me to the next thing because you were talking about the containers and I think that really what was coming up for me is like you know whether you're in a container for three months or a year I think we as the practitioners or you know just we as maybe someone who's like ahead in the you know who's maybe done that work it's I think it's about just helping people with tools as well more mm-hmm. than saying like yes I will hold the space for you and yes we can work through it together and all of that but it's really about let me give you the tools that will take you through the rest of your healing journey because yeah I'm not I'm most likely I will not be there with you for the whole yeah. you know 
the whole journey. So it's like, I think that that's really where we need to change our focus from being about, oh, I'm here to, you know, have this container where I'm going to just help you heal everything. It's like, no, I'm here to give you the tools to do that and to also show you how you can, you know, help yourself through this, like the self-care, all of those things that I think that we sometimes can forget during that healing process. Right. Yeah. And I think it's, it's the messaging, Mm -hmm. right? Like what we have been taught through capitalism (laughs) is, is the how to message, right? Mm -hmm. And so can we change that messaging of like, I I have tools that you, you know, that I want to share. I have medicine for you Mm -hmm. uh, to share. And, you know, those, that's what, that, that's, what's going to support your healing journey, right? Instead of one day you're going to wake up and you're going to be healed. Yeah. (laughs) Um, The interesting thing that you were talking about when you said, um, you know, at at a spiritual level, like we are prepared for the ebbs and the flows, right? And I think one one of the bigger things that I was thinking about as you were talking was when we have that first awakening and we get on this spiritual path and maybe we don't even know it that's what it's called just Mm. yet. Like everyone's kind of at a high, right? Like, oh my gosh, everything's really good. Love and light, da, 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 right? And that's all great because then you do, in those moments, you do gain a lot of tools that, you know, when, when that comes down, when, when your spirit guides are like, okay, now it's time for shadow work. This is the next step, right? Some of us freak out, like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. And, and still stay up in that love and light space without wanting to go down. I think that's another thing that, you know, the spiritual journey is, is not all love and light and it's not all grief. No. Right. No. But can we ebb with the, ebb with the flow or flow with the ebbs? <laughs> hey, that was really cool. <laughs> um, and be in that space where we can be accepting of all of it. And, you know, you talked about the collective in the last two years and BIPOC folks are really having this awakening of like, um, you know, having to break the chains and, and decolonize and all that. And, and that's also coincided with like the spiritual wellness boom, at least mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. the way that I look at the collective in general, right? Like there, for me, there's no coincidence that that is all happening at the same time because it's all intrinsically connected, right? Like it's yeah. just, it just is what it, what it is. And, and I think the call, yes, is for BIPOC folks to you know decolonize and and do ancestral work um but there is all on the other side of that is you know our our white brothers and sisters as well and it's really hard to say that to be honest as a as a person of color Mm -hmm. um but they are in spiritual sense our siblings as well like they also have work to do yeah right and like sometimes Mm -hmm. i'm like y'all we're all supposed to be doing work, yes. but not just. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm glad so that they... you say that because, yeah, I think that that's something that kind of gets lost yeah, in the conversation a lot because we do center it more on, like, people of color really being like, mm-hmm. okay, what's our history? And especially with colonization, it's somehow become, like, our job to, like, you know, heal from this and, and decolonize and all of those things, which it is. It is obviously our job to do those things and to, you know, especially that generational trauma that we hold, you know, especially like I come, I, I, I don't know the history of the Philippines, but I know in India, it's like, I still have grandparents who lived through 
the British, you know, being in India and things like that. Um, even my parents, you know what I mean? So it's like, I think that that is still there where the conversation hasn't exactly moved towards, yes, like, like, you know, white folks also having to do that healing. Like I very rarely hear about this idea of like white people also having to do their own, you know, ancestral healing, which is, I mean, to me, I'm like, in some ways that's, even bigger than what we as people of color have to do because it's you know the like the violence was perpetrated upon us and so it's yeah so for me I'm like I'm glad that you even brought that up because I feel like not that people don't want to touch on it but I think that you know whenever I hear about ancestral healing it's it's usually coming from BIPOC folks which I understand but at the same time I'm like yes but when will the conversation shift to the work that the rest of the collective has to do. Yeah. I mean, I really think it's, it's a calling and I think it's maybe starting in certain spaces Mm -hmm. and at least the call is there, you know, and, and part of me is like, I want to be part of that conversation as well. Mm -hmm. But I know that I, I have a lived experience. I'm, I'm born into a lineage where I have to heal that as well. And so like, um, I think the call really is to look at self first. Right. And then hopefully, (laughs) that energy will then spread out. Um, But, you know, I I do come across a few white folks that are are doing their healing. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm, you know, I'm a little like, I don't want to be like, oh, yes, (laughs) clapping hands. This person, because we've done that. We've put them on pedestals for decades. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And and we're done with that, right? (laughs) We're still learning. Um, But it is nice to see that as well. And I think for them, not that it's, bigger healing but I think it's a harder one because they have to check their privilege and Mm -hmm. checking privilege is really hard to do you know I come like I said you know privilege is not just for white folks there are other cultures that have like this hierarchical system and and this privilege and I people would say I come from a privileged background as well um and so I've had to check myself and go like "Ooh, why did I say that like that is some privileged bullshit that I just said, you know? And so, and that's sometimes is even harder, Mm -hmm. right? Um, That reckoning within yourself is sometimes harder to look at than reclaiming something that was taken away from you. And so, um, yes, we also have to give them grace, but we also don't have to be the ones to like, uh, I don't know, I don't know what pander means. I don't know why that's coming through, but we, we also don't have to be the ones to like pacify them, right? I mean, yeah. Them. Like even what you said about like, oh, like clapping for them and making it feel like, yay, okay, you're finally doing the work. Because I mean, what came yeah. to mind for me and it's a little bit of my bitterness of like, no one's clapping for us. Like mm. no one is uh, like, yeah. you know, yeah. no one's saying like, yay, like brown and black yeah. folks and indigenous people like doing the work. Yeah, so I think that that's why, you know, even for me, like, and, and I think it's because especially you know, coming from like an Indian Hindu background. And, you know, it's like, you know, I'd love to say like, oh, the colonization, you know, like all of those things is in the is in the past, and we're not dealing with it. But now I feel like especially with with my culture, and, you know, and I think a lot of our cultures, it's like, now I'm seeing it in the spiritual community. Mm -hmm. And so that adds like a whole other level of trauma for me, where every time I'm I mean, I will say most times when I'm in, like, white-dominated spaces, like, I do feel re-traumatized. I don't feel safe. And so I think that it's also that idea of, okay, as much as you're healing the past and those 
those generational traumas like within your own family and your lineage it's also like now being in this space and also seeing what's happening and it's like there's just so many levels to it to the healing that we're going through that it's you know sometimes it does feel overwhelming where it's like what do I even focus on you know it's like do I focus on the past which I think for me it's really like I think that the generational healing like you're talking about isn't just going to happen in our lifetime I mean I don't think any of it is going to happen in our lifetime but I think that you Mm -hmm. know like I think being able to speak to the cultural appropriation and maybe what's going on feels a little more pressing at the moment, Mm -hmm. for me at least, where it's like, you know, maybe if we can start to see change in these things and and allow people to awaken to like, oh, why do I use these these rituals or why do I use these words that don't come from my culture? It's like, maybe that will be a step towards reclaiming even those generational you know, traumas that we've already gone through. Yeah. And, you know, when you say that, it it really speaks to the, to this idea that like what energy we put out there Mm. ripples out into the world. Like, you know, whatever I'm healing in this moment, maybe that will then spark some sort of, I don't know, interest or something in somebody else, right? And the way that we speak our truth about what we're going through and what we see and like the nuances. And I think that's the one thing that people are scared of speaking about sometimes is the nuances is the, the, but there's this, like, Mm. yes, I'm super angry and I'm, I have, I'm filled with sacred rage. And and some days I'm like over it. I will, you know, swear like a sailor towards every single other person Mm -hmm. around me because I'm just over everything you know and then at the same time it's like how could I then transmute that rage to actually not something positive but Mm -hmm. like something that actually will ripple out into the collective to be like hey you know let me just share some truth because maybe it might awaken you or maybe it might give you a new perspective or maybe it might give you a point to kind of explore for yourself like you know where your healing has to happen or, or where your where you got to check your privilege or like where you got to look at yourself too. Um, I think that's, that's just part of the journey and, and yeah, we're healing and the spiritual path may feel like you're doing it alone, but you're not really mm-hmm. energetically. You're really not right. Like right. whatever you're putting out there is whatever you're putting out there to the collective. And so, yeah, it's, it's been one of those things where it's really hard to about white folks, especially given um, what I've learned in my decolonial journey and what's been happening in the collective. And it's a really tough one to talk about. And I also think that it's time that we do speak about it, right? And it is something that that needs to be normalized. Mm-hmm. It's a conversation that needs to be normalized. And, and until that happens, nothing's like, you know, we're like, well, white folks, you got to go heal. <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah, like, exactly. You know what I mean? And so I think the conversation or at least the idea or the invitation to be curious has to be put out there as well, because, you know, unfortunately for us, <laughs> our invitation to look beyond and to start maybe this process had, I mean, it came with a lot of trauma. It came with a lot of pain. It came with a lot of heartache, you know, and we don't wish that for anybody, but maybe it's it's just you never know what that point's going to be for people or for folks, right? So. Yeah, 
And yeah. I mean, we can't forget about white fragility as well. So it's like, you yes. Know, so it's like, I think it's, it's anytime we bring up, you know, if, even if we're feeling called to bring up these conversations, yeah. whether, you know, on a smaller level or larger, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that we can't forget that like, you know, most of the time you might be met with white fragility. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. so it's going to take some time to get to that place where, you know, even if we want to like call them in to do that healing, it's like we right. as, you know, the BIPOC folks have to be prepared yeah, to also be met with that. So I think that that's, you know, I mean, I think for now it is, you know, we are where we we're at, you know, like you said, collectively where it's like, okay, we've started to do our healing and yeah, I think that the more that these conversations happen and maybe ripple out, like you said, hopefully more people will awaken to that, to the fact that it's not just us that has to do the healing. So yeah, it's yeah. it's absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> trust me, I want to call in so many folks right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, let's let's call them in. Yeah, but, but but as you were saying, spirit has not. I have not gone through that transformation yet, so I don't know right. that I have the space for it. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Right. <laughs> I think we kind of touched on this a lot, yeah. but I just wanted to ask, like, so what has been your experience as a BIPOC woman in the online spiritual community? It's, um, I, you know, to say hard is kind of like the easy way out. Um, I think for me, a lot of it, you know, is really finding that balance because um, one of the first things that when I started speaking about out about white supremacy and privilege and colonization, um, especially, you know, I had a fellow woman of color, spiritual wellness person um, come to me and say, do you really think it all comes down to color? Because I had said something about like, it's all going to come down to the color of our skin. It's always going to matter. Right. And that really took me by surprise because I was like, how do we, how do, how do I, um, and, and see, this is what I'm, I was talking about this, this point of curiosity, right? It's a, it's a ripple. Everything that we say, everything, mm. everything that we do ripples out. And that activated me in this, this, um, curiosity of like, yeah, why does it matter? Right. As someone that reads the Akashic records and knows that like in a different lifetime, we could be a different color. Like, how does that, translate into like our human experience right because here I am in the spiritual wellness community like I'm not supposed to talk about color and and that's an easy way out Mm -hmm. um what I've come to um learn and and what my truth is is like yeah you know we do have lived experiences and we do have lessons that we've learned from different lifetimes and then we are born into a lineage to then heal that lineage right Mm -hmm. given our lived experiences, given the lessons that we've learned in different lifetimes, in different body, in different colored bodies, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like then we're born into this lineage to look back at this human lineage and be like, what can I heal? What do I have the capacity to heal? What do I have the wisdom and knowledge to heal now in this lifetime? And so that's kind of what I've come come to. And I think for me, like once I came to that realization, it was easier to talk about the human experience within a spiritual sense, because I think people always want to love it. Like I said, being up in the love and light is so much easier because we could just say, Oh, that doesn't matter at the end of, you know, when we all become spirits again, it doesn't matter. And it's like, no, it's not going to matter. But right now it does right now. Mm -hmm. Like how can I sit back and spiritualize somebody's pain? 
right? Like, Mm -hmm. how can I spiritualize that they're going through pain or that there is trauma for, for what, because it's supposed to be like that. Like there's gotta be more, right? Like our human minds and our human bodies, like we have feelings and emotions for a reason. Like it's part of our growth. Now I don't have all the answers, but that's kind of (laughs) what I've come to, but it's, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting space to be in, especially as a BIPOC. Um, yeah, because I do get these questions of like, why aren't I love and lighting everybody? I should be because that's what, you know, other people are doing. But yeah. um, it's it's almost like going against the grain. But I know that there's a lot of other um, people of color in the spiritual wellness that are like, yeah, that's actually not our experience. That might be your experience, but that's not my experience as a person of color. And so um, I really like that that is now something that people are speaking Mm-hmm. too yeah yeah I love that yeah because I mean I'm I'm the same way it's like you know when I speak out against things it's like and I don't do it in a way that's like oh because like that's you know what I'm here for what I think it's just mm-hmm. because it's like when you see something especially when it's against like your own culture and something that you've grown up with it's like I don't know like I find it hard not to react and not to say something right. and just be like well, okay, we're all spiritual and we're all, you know, especially, I mean, like I talked about before, it's like, I come from a culture that has been like overtaken. It feels like sometimes, especially in the spiritual community, like you see so many people who like, you know, most yoga teachers and, you know, all of those things. It's like, yeah, they're mainly like white folks. I mean, I can't remember the last time I had like an Indian yoga teacher Mm. or something like that you know so it's yeah like it's one of those things where to not talk about it it it, again it just it it kind of feels like spiritual bypassing Mm -hmm. you know or I wouldn't even say spiritual but I guess just bypassing in general that like okay I'm just supposed to turn a blind eye and not say something feels like that's wrong too (laughs) I love that. I I love it's not spiritual bypassing. It's just bypassing. Yeah, it's just I mean, (laughs) I won't even put the spiritual. Yeah, because I'm like, that's just bypassing in life. (laughs) Yeah, that's a new one. We got to use that one. See, now we're putting it on the ethers and we'd like to see memes all created about life bypassing. We're just bypassing life. Okay, (laughs) we're creating ripples here. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. Um, Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it's easier to bypass and that's what we've been doing. That's what our ancestors have done. And it wasn't because they didn't, they weren't strong enough. It was because, you know, it was for survival, right? Like they had to just be like, okay, hmm, okay. And, and we learned that and we learned that and we learned that. And, you know, whether it's a spiritual collective journey or not, whether whatever you believe in, I'm. I'm assuming that if you're listening to this podcast, you have a spiritual edge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we are remembering. The collective is here. We're, we're, we're now remembering this and we're reckoning with it and with um, choices that have been made. And yeah, we're not, we're not bypassing life no. anymore. <laughs> no. Yeah, because I always think it's interesting because, yeah, I think it goes back to that idea of like colonization and our histories because uh, like something I always think about too is the fact that like in Indian culture, you know, like I also think these like gurus and teachers like in India that are teaching these things to people who are coming from other countries, 
it's almost like they are bestowing this, like, it's, I, I almost feel like, yeah, they're, like, a part of the quote-unquote problem because it's, like, you mm-hmm. know, they will, like, give people, like, Indian names or, like, Hindu names, like, like, Ramdas, you know? It's, like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's, like, okay, this white guy gets to now call himself by an Indian name and now is considered this guru who you know, is making a lot of money is like part of, you know, it's like capitalism. But like, I also always go back to like, but did we kind of do that to ourselves as a culture? Like, why did, you know, like, why do these teachers in India like do these things? Is it, you know, and I think that, yeah, that that does go back to colonialism because, you know, whenever I go back to India, like I can see how white people are treated differently in India. Like they're almost like, oh, like the white man has come, you know, and even now after yep. everything that we've gone through with colonialism, you can still see how people treat white people differently in these countries. And and so it's, it's very much like, you know, I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, it's all their fault because they're doing this. But yeah, I think that it is rooted in those things. And so a part of me is like, I think it's, it's this, um, <laughs> I can't like the word just slipped my mind, but it's, um, you know, it's like, it's, it's both parts. Because it's like, okay, we as the Indians who are bestowing the name, but, like, you as the white person, it's like, why are you taking that on? You know, mm-hmm. like, they could just as easily say, no, you know what, that's not respectful. I, I don't want that. Like, you know what I mean? But so I think it is this, like, um, it's like on both of their parts that I think that, you yeah. know, but again, that goes back to all the systems that we've talked about that are in place or that affect people. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I what this kind of reminds me of is like, you know, when we talk about the decolonial journey itself, like it is understanding like where we've been oppressed. Right. And and it's really easy to just look at where we've been Mm -hmm. oppressed. And it's huge. I'm not saying I'm not like trying to take away from that, but can we also look at how we've been the oppressor? Like how have we accepted this? How have we said yes Mm-hmm. to the things that like maybe now we're saying no to or like were we the oppressor or were we the oppressed and I right. think we could be both I think we have been both um and so yeah I think I think that's a really good point where um you have these cultures sharing the medicine like we were talking about earlier um and then where's the line of like how do you be in right relationship Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that's a missing piece as well. Right. Like, how do you share the medicine, but stay in integrity? Like you don't see doctors prescribing a medication and then like me as the person receiving it go like, oh, yeah, hey, I can I'm gonna give you this because my doctor prescribed Mm -hmm. it. I mean, there are people that. that. (laughs) Right. But I'm saying, yeah, in in integrity. Right. Yes. (laughs) That is not what we're supposed to be doing. So Mm -hmm. why are we doing it with the medicine of our cultures? Right. Right. And so I think there's a little bit of curiosity and a little play and exploration that we can look at. I mean, that's what you just said. That's like a good point. I'm like, hmm, that's actually making me think, you know, (laughs) and I think that's why these conversations are so important. And I think that's why, like, you know, we have to just kind of speak our truth because I don't believe that everybody is just willing to take somebody else's wisdom and not question it. Hmm. I mean, I would hope not. I mean, we can, if you look at the collective, a lot of people would be like, why do you just like, why aren't you questioning that, right? right? But I think, like, if we could learn to question and if we could learn and have these spaces that say, like, it's safe to question stuff, right? Because when I was 
quote unquote, turning atheist or turning my back towards the church. I didn't, I wasn't given the space Mm. to explore and be curious, which actually made me go, you know what, I'm just gonna leave it all, right? Um, But yeah, can we create these spaces? Another question for us space holders, right? That, That allow for, you know, I think you hear safe spaces and brave spaces and all these spaces of what it is, but like, how can we have these conversations just with folks in general? Like, why does it even have to be in a container space, right? Like maybe we just learn how to do that in our own healing and then can hold that space for other people in our lives. Um, So yeah, it's just our journey to self is also journey to each other Hmm. as a collective, I think. Yeah. Yeah. If we're all one, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) let's get all... Don't bypass life, people. Exactly. (laughs) We are all one. Do not bypass life. There you go. There's your meme. Uh, Yep. Oh, that was such an amazing (laughs) conversation. Um, can you? We can go for hours. I know we really could go for hours. That's why I was like, (laughs) all right, before we, before I let this go on for four hours. But, um, can you please just let everyone know where they can find you and what you're currently working on? Yes, you can. The sole place that you could find me if you don't follow me is Instagram. I have wiped out everything else and made it simple. Um, But that doesn't mean that I will be living on Instagram forever. Mm -hmm. My handle is K underscore Namba. Um, Find me there first and then also sign up for my newsletter because that's where you'll hear about everything. Um, I do have a membership that you know, for me, it's, it's interesting that I say like, you could find me on Instagram because I have like such a love hate relationship with Instagram <laughs> as does so many people now, because yes. everyone wants to get off of Instagram, but I'm like, but that's kind of like my webpage. <laughs> like, <laughs> who goes to web pages anymore? I don't know. But so that's where you'll find me and then connect with me. I am kind of like an open book. If you message me and not be creepy, <laughs> if you message me, then I'm, I'm chill. Like I, I'm, I love connecting with people. Um, Right now, I am in the middle of a launch, actually, for my um, my intuition activation program. It's a training to help space holders learn how to tap into the divine and connect and receive messages from spirit. Um, yeah, so that's kind of really exciting for me because, like I was talking about earlier, when I was holding space as a life coach, like I was naturally just channeling and I didn't have the words for it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I said yes to opening those gifts that I was like, oh, that's exactly what I'm doing. And I know that space holders already do this. We just don't have the language for it. We don't know that we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the call for anyone that is a space holder that wants to consciously, um, intuitively, tap into their psychic abilities um and also for those that are maybe just curious like I've I have people that are like you know I think I've been channeling messages but I don't know what to do I don't know how to like turn it on and off and all that stuff so that's also for that space um so yeah my activation training my intuition activation training um it's called unlock your magic Okay. So yeah, that starts in July. I don't know when this episode is actually yeah this episode's going up like in the beginning of July okay so that's what I'm in. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, but if not, you know, if if it, the program is already started, you know, I'm also here for uh, mentorship. I don't do the three month um, containers. They're basically like intensives and I get on a call with you for 90 minutes or 60, depending on what tier you um, 
you know, want to work at me with and how much support you need, but it's really just to help guide you and support you and, you know, let you know, like how to connect with your guides and how to connect with yourself, really. Nice. And of course, you're still doing Akashic Record readings? I am doing Akashic Records readings. That is, I, that is my favorite. I Mm -hmm. love, love doing those. Um, Yeah. That's, I highly that's recommend. just something that I would always do. <laughs> nice. And you also have a podcast, which I was going to mention at the beginning. Oh my but gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My podcast. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. I'm a co-host for yes. the Spiritual Enough podcast with Olivia Howard. And we basically demystify spirituality. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> As two uh, women of color, spiritual practitioners of color. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Definitely Thank go you. check out the podcast. Oh, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, I know. Well, I was going to mention it at the beginning and then I forgot. So I was like, okay, I got to like remember yes. because I loved the podcast. I listened to Thank a few you. episodes a couple of days ago. And yeah, and Kay talks a little bit more about her own journey. I think you get a little more like into really what brought you into spirituality yeah. and even your decolonizing journey. So definitely check that out. Um, I'll put all of those links in the description box. Amazing. So that way, yeah, you guys definitely check her out. And like I said, I had an Akashic Record reading with Kay and it was amazing. So oh, thank um, you. Yeah. But thank you so much for being on the podcast. And this conversation was incredible. I loved it. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so honored. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I will catch you all on a future episode and I hope you all have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. If you're interested in learning more about my work, please go check out my blog where I dive deeper into these topics. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at flowinshakti. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.